Jesus had cast out of her seven demons. And I would say, that is someone who has been radically saved. But think about this. We have each, if we have come to faith in Jesus Christ, we have each been radically saved. This is because the gift of salvation was made possible through the death, the burial, and the resurrection of Jesus Christ to his ascension to the right hand of the Father. Jesus did for us what we could not do for ourselves in order that he might present us without spot before his Father in heaven. You're looking too far for that need you have inside. You're on a big merry-go-round and it's taking you for a ride. You've got to let go and let go. Welcome to The Cleansing Word. We invite you to stay with us as Pastor John Pinnell of Calvary Chapel Lake Villa takes us through a verse-by-verse study from God's Word. Each Monday through Friday, we'll be airing messages to encourage you in your faith that you might grow in the knowledge of our Lord and Savior, Jesus Christ. I hope that you enjoy this broadcast and I'll return at the close of this teaching to give you more information about our church and how you can obtain a copy of this message. Now here's Pastor John with today's message from God's Word. Matthew 28, we're going to be looking at living the resurrection life. The events as described by Matthew, and I've broken this, In a few sections, we have do not be afraid in verses 1 through 7, rejoice, verses 8 through 10, stolen or risen, 11 through 17, and commissioned to serve, verses 18 through 20. And I will go ahead and just begin by reading verse 1. Now, after the Sabbath, as the first day of the week began to dawn, Mary Magdalene and the other Mary came to see the tomb. So before placing Jesus in the tomb, Joseph of Arimathea and Nicodemus had wrapped his body in strips of linen that were bound, Scripture tells us, by a hundred pounds of a mixture of myrrh and aloes. And since it was kind of a rush, now it doesn't seem like a rush, but it was a rush to get Jesus in the grave because the Sabbath was approaching, so they had to not do any work on the Sabbath according to Jewish law. And so it was a quick burial. The women were there and watched Joseph and Nicodemus do this burial, roll the stone in front of the tomb, and they felt that they had done a poor job. It would be like me tying a bow, some fancy bow that Lily asked me to tie, and then watch her correct the tying of my bow. And she would think that's just not going to do. And I am sure that Mary Magdalene and the other Mary, the other women who came to the tomb, they just thought, no, 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 this just will not do. So they wanted to properly anoint the body of Jesus. And the women who were named in all the Gospels, Mary Magdalene, Mary the mother of James and Salome, and Joanna. 
In Luke 23, 56, it tells us they returned and prepared spices and fragrant oils, and they rested on the Sabbath according to the commandment. They just wanted to express their love for Jesus. And often those who have been radically saved by Jesus will do things that most people will not. Mary Magdalene, according to the word of God, Luke 8, 2, Jesus had cast out of her seven demons. And I would say that is someone who has been radically saved. But think about this. We have each, if we have come to faith in Jesus Christ, we have each been radically saved. This is because the gift of salvation was made possible through the death, the burial, and the resurrection of Jesus Christ to his ascension to the right hand of the Father. Jesus did for us what we could not do for ourselves in order that he might present us without spot before his Father in heaven. And I would say that is radical salvation. Jesus did for us what we could not, cannot do for ourselves that would enable him to present us spotless before the Father in heaven. Hebrews 9.14 says, How much more shall the blood of Christ, who through the eternal Spirit offer himself without spot to God, cleanse your conscience from dead works to serve the living God. In verses two through four, it tells us, and behold, there was a great earthquake for the angel of the Lord descended from heaven and came back and rolled the stone from the door and sat on it. His countenance was like lightning, his clothing as white as snow, and the guards shook for fear of him and became like dead men. Now, the stone was a large circular slab. It could be anywhere from six to eight feet in circumference and about anywhere from eight to 12 inches thick, estimated of weighing some 2,000 pounds. So when the women in the other gospels, as they were coming to the garden tomb and thought among themselves, who will roll back the stone? It's because it was a large stone that was also dropped in a niche in the bottom inside a slot that would seal the door and then it would have to be rolled up the slot and dropped in another niche at the top to hold the door open. And so this was man's work. Sorry, ladies. And uh, I probably wouldn't be a very good man to do such work these days. Uh, my shoulders are shot, so I would get other men say, roll it up. But they didn't have to worry about that. They didn't have to do it. An angel did it for them. There was an earthquake, maybe an aftershock. There was an earthquake when Jesus died on the cross three days later. The place is shaking again. And the tomb was opened. And the angels sat upon the tomb. And the guards who were placed there to prevent Jesus' disciples from stealing away his body. They became as dead men as the fear of these angels just shook through their bodies. Their countenance was like lightning, their clothing as white as snow. Now, let me ask you a question. How would you do if you spent the whole night in a graveyard? Anybody ever <laughs> spent a whole night in a graveyard? I could ask that question. <laughs> Someone said, not yet. Yeah. <laughs> Your time is coming. 
anyone living here today? <laughs> so that might be just eerie enough. When I was a boy with our church, we went camping once. It was a Boy Scouts, the Royal Ambassadors type program. We were called the Royal Ambassadors. I will do my best to become a well-informed, responsible follower of Christ. I still remember those things. But um, we stayed at a, a Boy Scouts camp that was next to a graveyard where it was told that there were Satan worshipers there. And it stormed that first night that we were there. And we were inside this shelter that had a concrete floor and it was pouring really bad outside. And I was in my sleeping bag and I was kind of nervous about the Satan worshipers that might come and get me. And I heard the crunching of leaves coming and it took me a while to realize that there was leaves underneath my sleeping bag and it was only my jittery feet that was causing that fear. And that's usually the case, but not this time. They experienced an earthquake. They saw a man whose, whose appearance was as lightning, his clothing as white as snow. It was more, though, than an otherworldly encounter. God's prophetic word was being fulfilled. As it says in Psalm 1610, For you will not leave my soul in shield, nor will you allow your Holy One to see corruption. It is true that God could have resurrected Jesus, took him right back to heaven without anyone ever opening the tomb to take a look to see if the tomb was empty. But the resurrection of Jesus Christ was the ultimate proof that Jesus Christ is the Messiah, the Son of God, just as he proclaimed. Therefore, Jesus' resurrection was witnessed by both believers and unbelievers. Verses 5 through 7, But the angel answered and said to the women, Do not be afraid, for I know that you seek Jesus who is crucified. He is not here, for he is risen. As I said, come see the place where the Lord lay, and go quickly and tell his disciples that he is risen from the dead, and indeed he is going before you into Galilee. There you will see him. Behold, I have told you. Seeing the angel's brilliance countenance, well, it caused the women to be afraid, but they didn't pass out like dead women, like the soldiers who passed out like dead men. I thought about that maybe for the first time this morning. They were accustomed to seeing the miraculous works of Jesus Christ. They had grown accustomed to seeing Jesus do marvelous things, and yet they were, they were afraid. That's why the angel said, do not be afraid. It's not that they did not fear, but they probably thought, all right, Lord, what are you up to? It did not shock them to the point of passing out. Then the angel spoke to them, calmed their fears, confirmed that Jesus, who had been crucified, was no longer in the grave. Angels, according to Hebrews 1.14, it says, are they not all ministering spirits sent forth to minister to those who will inherit salvation? The work of the angels sent forth to minister to those who inherit salvation. Romans 6.10, for the death that he died, he died to sin once for all. And the life that he lives, he lives to God. The angel testified, yes, he was crucified, but he is not here. 
For the death that he died, he died once and for all. And the life that he lives, he lives to God. And after the inviting the women to come and see where they had laid him, to see the empty tomb, the angel instructed them to go quickly and tell his disciples that Jesus had risen from the dead. And it's clear that both the radically saved and also unbelievers can have encounters with the miraculous, with Jesus Christ. The important thing is how we respond. So rejoice, verses 8 through 10. So they went out from the tomb with fear, verse 8, and great joy, and ran to bring his disciples' word. The women were filled with mixed emotions. They had experienced both fear and great joy. Psalm 2.11 tells us, Serve the Lord with fear and rejoice with trembling. And that's how we should approach our worship, with fear and joy. Fear of the awe and the presence of God, but also the joy that he would save people like you and me. All they had was the testimony of the angel, which is in remarkable indeed. They had not seen Jesus yet, but still their obedience to the word of the angel was key to them receiving greater revelation. Hebrews eleven six says, But without faith it is impossible to please him. For those who come to God must believe that he is, and that he is a rewarder of those who diligently seek him. Those steps of faith that we take helps to bring greater revelation of Jesus Christ into our lives. But you have to be willing to take the first step of faith. In verse 9, we find for them, as they went to tell his disciples, behold, Jesus met them saying, rejoice. So they came and held him by the feet and worship him. Now, Matthew doesn't tell about Jesus ministering personally to Mary Magdalene and then also with the other women, but separately. And the other Gospels telling us that Mary Magdalene was the first to see Jesus, Peter, the first to see Jesus of the apostles. But here he just combines it. He's condensing this day. And they, though they had fear, they rejoiced. And they came and held Jesus by the feet. They worshipped him. Their fear was replaced with rejoicing because Jesus had defeated death. As Paul wrote, 1 Corinthians 15, 54 through 57, death is swallowed up in victory, crying, O death, where is your sting? O Hades, where is your victory? The sting of death is sin, and the strength of sin is the law, but thanks be to God who gives us victory through the Lord Jesus Christ. Death has been swallowed up in victory because of the work of Jesus on the cross, because of his death, his burial, and his resurrection from the grave. And it's true for us today that when we are willing to walk in obedience to the Lord, we will experience the presence of Jesus in many different ways. Moreover, they were able to hold the feet of Jesus. They were able to worship him. And what a beautiful picture of this great devotion that they had towards Jesus. And today we are able to rejoice and worship Jesus through the gifting of the Holy Spirit in our lives. 
In Philippians 3.3, it tells us, For we are the circumcision who worship God in the Spirit, rejoice in Christ Jesus, and have no confidence in the flesh. No confidence in the flesh simply means that we are not trying to say that we will get to heaven by anything that we will do. And if any still believe that there is a heaven that they will get there one day, less and less people are believing that there is a God. If they do believe apart from Jesus Christ, usually they're saying it's my good works that will get me there. They put confidence in their flesh. Confidence in your flesh will fail you every single time. Yeah, boys, I've never hit my hand with a hammer when using a tool. And then what happens? Yeah. Peel that nail right off your thumb. That's what happens, which I've done a couple of times. Don't put confidence in your flesh. Put your confidence in Jesus Christ, our Lord. And as we begin to take those steps of faith, every step that we take, he continues to reveal more and more of himself to us that we might be able to be a witness as Jesus commended them here to go and tell. He said, do not be afraid. Go and tell my brethren to go to Galilee and they will see me. So besides the angels, the women were the first to witness Jesus's resurrection. And it's not that women cannot be effective witnesses. Many have been and many are to this day. It causes me to wonder, where are his disciples? Well, we know that in the Gospels, it tells us that they were still hiding. In their minds, they're thinking they killed Jesus and they'll want to take us out next. They were still hiding behind locked doors when it was time to be rejoicing in our resurrected Savior. In John 20, verses 19 and 20, it says, Then the same day that evening, being the first day of the week, when the doors were shut where the disciples were assembled for the fear of the Jews, Jesus came and stood in the midst and said, Peace be with you. And when he had said this, he showed them his hands and his side, and the disciples were glad when they saw Jesus. And those who worship at the feet of Jesus will rejoice in him and the work of his salvation in their lives. So was he stolen or had he risen? Verses 11 through 17. We look at verses 11 through 15. It says, Now that while they were going, behold, some of the guard came into the city and reported to the chief priest all the things that had happened. And when they had assembled with the elders, they consulted with one another, and they said, how can we spin this to our advantage? That's what politics would do today, right? They heard the report, but they still didn't want to believe. So they decided, let's give large sums of money to the soldiers, saying, tell them his disciples came at night and stole him away while we slept. And if anything comes to the governor's ears, we will appease him and make you secure. So they took the money and did as it was instructed. And to this day, it is commonly reported among the Jews until this day. 
So while the women were going to do some telling about the resurrection of Jesus Christ to his disciples, the soldiers were doing some telling of their own. And they may have told the truth of everything that happened to them at that graveside, but they were bribed to spin a lie that until Matthew penned the words of this gospel, he says that lie is still being reported to this day. And the reason they said, we will protect you if it comes to Pilate's ears, is because under Roman law, if a Roman soldier lost his prisoner, whatever the crime that prisoner had, he would have to serve the crime. So it meant that they would be crucified in place of Jesus. Aren't you glad that we don't have to be crucified in place of Jesus? He paid the price for us. He did for us what we could not do for ourselves, that we might be presented spotless before God. Psalm 2, verses 1 and 2 says, Why do the nations rage and the people plot vain things? The kings of the earth set themselves... And the rulers take counsel together against the Lord and his anointed. These were the rulers of Israel. They were supposed to be the servants of the living God. And they were actually plotting against the plan of God for the redemption of all mankind. What do they say? Repeat a lie often enough and it becomes the truth. So, Justin Martyr who was a servant of Christ who lived from around A.D. 100 to 165. He spoke of this teaching that was still being pushed in his day. So Jesus resurrected from the grave. The common thought is right around A.D. 33. Justin Martyr, born A.D. 100. He probably had to grow up a little before he wrote these words. And so we might be about 100 years removed. And yet he wrote this. Yet you not only have not repented after you learned that he rose from the dead, but as I said before, you have sent chosen and ordained men throughout all the world to proclaim that a godless and lawless heresy had sprung up from one Jesus, a Galilean deceiver, whom we crucified, but his disciples stole him by night from the tomb where he was laid when unfastened from the cross and now deceived men by asserting that he has risen from the dead and ascended to heaven. To this day, there are those who are reporting that Christ had not risen from the dead. It was just in my ears in the last three weeks hearing that someone was saying that the resurrection is fake news. Now, fake news is a term that we use today, you know, the liberals like to say that the conservatives' news is fake news, and the conservatives are right in saying that most of the liberal news is fake news, but fake news, and they're saying that the resurrection of Jesus Christ is fake news. The truth is often harder for a person to believe than a lie, and many will still swallow this lie. One of the great foundation stones that is unshakable and unmovable is in our Christian faith is the historic evidence of the resurrection of Jesus Christ. And we have to stand upon that. If we can't stand upon the resurrection of Jesus Christ, then we are standing upon nothing. And Paul the Apostle would say that our faith is futile if Christ Jesus did not resurrect from the grave. Paul also said, 
in 1 Corinthians 15, 6, that after he was seen, after that, so he's listing out those who had witnessed the resurrection of Jesus, that he was first seen by Mary, that he was seen by Peter, that he was seen by all of the disciples, and then he was seen by me. And after that, he was seen by over 500 brethren at once, of whom the greater part remain to the present, but some have fallen asleep. There were over 500 eyewitnesses of the resurrected Jesus Christ. And so, Father, we pray that you would be with us today. If someone here, Lord, does not know you as Savior, but you are convicting their heart, and they want to surrender their life to you this day, I pray that you would just cause them to come down and talk with Pastor Kevin, that he might lead them through prayer and show them the path. But the path for them is the same path for all of us, Lord, by believing in Jesus. Maybe there's one who has walked away from the faith and they just want to rededicate their life to you this day. Lord, the prayer benches down front are open for anyone who just wants to come and kneel and pray. Confess before you this day. Pray for your will, your desire to work in this place. We ask in the name of Jesus. Amen. Calvary Chapel is a fellowship of believers in the Lordship of Jesus Christ. Our greatest desire is to know Christ and to be conformed into His image by the power of His Holy Spirit. If you would like more information about Calvary Chapel, or if you would like a copy of today's message, please contact us at 847-265-0646. That's 847-265-0646. Thank you so much for joining us today. And may the Lord richly bless you as you worship him today.